The information contained in this podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute investment or financial advice. You should seek tailored advice that is specific to your circumstances before making any investment decision. The Good Investing Podcast connects you with successful investors and business leaders who invest in or are experts in a range of industries, but do it with a difference. And I tell you what, our view has changed. You're right, everyone in the industry is is good at what they do. And that was crushing because we're on a mission to help end extreme poverty. And it's funny, I, I got to meet more of these companies and the people in them. In fact, sometimes I get invited to come and speak at their conferences and I'm thinking, okay, great people, by the way, actually want to do good in the world, all talking about purpose, all talking about how do we make the world a better place? And I'm sort of thinking, well, maybe like don't crush, thank you. Hi, my name is Matt Nicard. I'm co-founder of Ethical Partners. And on behalf of Nathan Parkin and the team at Ethical Partners, this is the Good Investing Podcast. Now, I've really been looking forward to this episode. We'll be speaking to one of the most inspirational business leaders in Australia. Every time I go to the supermarket and see his company's products, I'm blown away by the concept. I'm talking about the company Thank You and its co-founder and managing director, Daniel Flynn. You'll know the Thank You products from their distinct black packaging, hand creams, soaps, body wash, water, food products, and the like. But Daniel and co-founders Justin and Jared do more than just give 100% of profits from Thank You to approved charities. They are business innovators, they are marketing disruptors, and they are very unconventional. They're also sustainability leaders and are looking to reinvent the giving model. In part A, Daniel tells us why bottled water was product number one for Thank You, all those years ago, and how that links back to Thank You's quest to end extreme poverty. He also talks to us about how the competitor response to Thank You has changed, and he talks a little bit about Project Salvation. This is the Thank You story as told by Daniel Flynn. We hope you'd enjoy it as much as we enjoyed putting it together. All right, Daniel, welcome to the Good Investing Podcast, brought to you by Ethical Partners. Matt, thank you so much. It's great to have you here. Um, how are you? Yeah, good. Uh, good. It's sort of straight out of the bat. I'm I'm a young parent, so you know, sleep was something we, you know, knew well. And so I think I'm a bit tired. And then you know, the world's pretty flat out, busy, crazy. So I think definitely going well. But overall, you know, it's a real, it's a real time to be alive. No, absolutely. Uh, why don't we just make a little bit of an intro? to listeners, some of which will know all about you and some of which will know nothing about you. Mm. So I'd like to start with a few stats. Yep. We love a stat. Okay. Um, Makes sense. So how many people do you employ? Thank you. Uh, we had we are down to 20. Okay. From and 60 last year. So you know, it's a big conversation. Yeah. So we'll talk about that. Um, where are your products manufactured? Uh, predominantly in Australia. I'd say about 85%. All right. How many copies of chapter one did you sell? Ooh, we're over 145,000, but I'm not sure of the exact number. Wow. And and seeing as though people got to nominate how much they paid, yeah, yeah, what yeah. was the average price they nominated Ooh. to pay for the book? Pay what you want. Uh, so, you know, the, the the least paid was five cents. There's a bunch of people did that. And we joke, but it's true. We literally have their addresses. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, we, like we could come to there. So, so, and then the other end of the spectrum to which you can top this today, don't feel, but 50,000 is the most paid for one copy that happened a year in. The average of those sits online, gosh, yeah, you're testing me online. I think it was sitting at $14 and then in store, it was slightly more or the reverse of that. But yeah, kind of in that $14, $15 window. And then over time it's dropped down a bit, but we're really happy with that as an average. It's, you know, 
My word. I mean, I, I paid more than fourteen, but less than fifty thousand. So that's my. Well, thank my you for range. your contribution. <laughs> no worries. I gave a few as gifts. Um, annual annual turnover of thank you. Uh, annual turnover. Look, we we talk in profit distributed. Sure. That's that's our our focus. Uh, so you know, today we've distributed seventeen million, uh, but we kind of range between the thirty fifty million dollar mark, depending on the year. Um, we've, we've just come off the back of two of our biggest years at the upper end of that. And, and certainly, you know, yeah. So, so yeah. Okay. And, and how many countries do you distribute the profits to now? So profits are distributed to partners who work in 33 countries. 33 countries. Okay. Um, we, uh, yeah. And then we only sell the thank you product here in Australia and New Zealand. Yeah. And how much hand sanitizer did you sell in (laughs) either financial or liters in the last 12 months? Oh man. I wish uh, it's such a good question. We we sold so much hand sanitizer that we doubled the business the last wow. two financial years just on hand sanitizer sales, wow. um, which was phenomenal. Uh, I think there was a in shipping container um, measurements at a forty foot container. I think we had two hundred and forty containers worth of of sanitizer that we had to get overseas because Australia's supply chain fell apart. So yeah, well, it wasn't small. It's unbelievable, and I guess the next question to that, and it's not scripted here, but how do you how do you come down from that? Mm. Assuming you're going to sell less in the next twelve months, mm. that's just my guess. You are. How do you recalibrate? Yeah, that, that setting. Yeah, look, I think we have built a business, um, and and certainly an opex base that is uh, that doesn't need to change based on that revenue jump, right? And so, and that's probably the trap. The revenue goes up for two years. You're like, oh, this is it. And we've made that mistake years ago, years yeah. ago. So I would say we are lean enough now. Uh, we are the leanest we've ever been. Um, also really good growth, really good profitability, but we've got room for the ups and the downs that actually, I suppose the new world creates the, the idea of rhythm in business and incremental growth. Uh, I mean, certainly in the category we're in, that is a uh, long gone. All right. Now we've, we've, we've come a, a long way already. So I want to go back a few steps. Um, yeah. Just take us back to, to when you, Justin and Jared came up with the absolutely crazy idea of taking on Coca-Cola, Pepsi yeah. and the home brands mm. in water. Um, I'd just love to, love to get into your mind on, on those thoughts around that time that, mm. that kind of brought you to that conclusion to say, yep, yeah, we can take them on. We can do it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Two things. One, uh, the vision and the mission, which I'll touch on, but two, probably an, a healthy element of naivety. Yeah. We had no idea how hard it was. If, if we knew how hard it was, we would not have started. Um, and I'm glad we didn't know what we're getting ourselves into. Uh, the reason why we got into it was important. It wasn't just an ambition of taking on big companies. And it actually was this idea of we live in one world that has two extremes. And at Thank You, we see one extreme is extreme poverty. There are 736 million people in our world who are living in extreme poverty. And that's a measure of less than $1.90 a day is income. So that was pre-pandemic. That extreme's gone worse. A further 500 million people, they think are going into extreme poverty. So that's one end. The other end is consumerism. We spend a collective $63 trillion a year on stuff. <laughs> now, one world, and you look at those two, and, and our idea, thank you, was imagine a bridge between our world's two extremes. And imagine a consumer goods company, a product company, maybe one day services too, that helped all of us take the money we're already spending and right a wrong that shouldn't exist. Bottled water was the first product. We loved it because it was a stupid product. <laughs> we thought bottled water shouldn't exist. 
It shouldn't. It shouldn't, but it does. And and, and that, that and that would drive people just to switch because of that the nature of the product, or or you just thought you could do it. Wow, it it in our head seemed easy, right? Like it it's the least technical product. You get the water, and then you put it in the bottle, and you put a lid on it. Uh, turned out it was a lot harder than that. But we thought if we could get people over the line with water. Or maybe one day think you could grow into anything, but you've got to prove that concept first. And so we chose bottled water. And, and, and there was a reason to, at the time, 900 million people didn't have access to clean water. That's so wrong. And, and I was I had one moment in front of my computer. I referenced it a lot because it was a, a real Genesis moment where I'm sitting there and I'm literally crying. And I'm crying because I'm thinking, oh, the stories I'm watching of kids losing their brothers and sisters to waterborne disease. If that was me, I mean, my sisters would have died. And Jess and Mel, I love them, and it would have turned out it was the water I was collecting them that killed them. And to know that that's not my story, but it's other kids' story, and to know that we spend, I think it's $50 billion on bottled water back then, the latest stat, $350 billion. Wow. Bottled water is still going up. Everyone, everyone's like, oh, it's, it's bad for the environment, sure, but also everyone's still choosing it or enough people are. So that for us was like that product is a mirror to us as a society. That's where we've begun and it's grown. So you've always linked the actual product to the cause. So to those people who don't know and who just see the black packaging in the supermarket, yep. just explain how you're linking each bottle or each product to, to, the, to the cause that the profits actually end up going towards. Yeah, so we started with uh, bottled water that funded water projects and we got into food that funded food, uh, you know, hand wash and body wash that funded health and sanitation. We've since grown up in our thinking um, and we may unpack this further later, but we no longer tie our funding from a product to the impact. In fact, we just give to uh, 18 at the moment incredible organizations doing great work. And it turns out that the world needs not just a well or, or a food program. It needs really intricate, well thought through uh, programs and ideas that need backing. So we back them and we don't restrict it to sort of the marketing categories I suppose we have. Yeah. Yeah. No, we'll get into that. It's really important. So, so if people are buying your product, which is of equivalent or better quality to the competitors, mm -hmm. and 100% of profit goes to those approved causes. Yep. Why? Um, what's what's the psyche of of people out there that uh, you know? How do you have to get them across the line from a marketing point of view? Because it seems yeah. on the surface, I yep. know it's never this simple. Everyone should be buying the product. Yeah. But it doesn't happen. You've got mm. great share in a number of categories. Yeah. But it's still a small share relatively. Yeah. yeah. So so how do you get people across the line? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I'm with you. I thought this was it would be easy. You know, like I was telling my mum about this in the early days and she was in. She's like, I would buy all the products, right? And my friends, would, you know, and, and, and Justine, my co-founder, Jared, like we, we just all thought everyone's going to be in. If you, you're into finance, you're into numbers, if you saw early Excel spreadsheets, you'd be like, guys, you've jumped into the billions very quick in your thinking. Because we were like, what's the total industry globally? Turns out though, and this is really interesting in the social space. Um, we think we've uncovered a great challenge. At, at a human level, we all say we want to do good. But when it comes to the products we buy, yes, we say if they do good, we'll choose them. But actually, there's a whole bunch of other things that come first. Uh, quality of that product, the brand experience, the price. We have, and in fact, I, I'd put it this bluntly, because we're a social mission, I think 
that consumers will say, well, how do I know the product's going to be good? Our biggest job is convincing people the product is really, really good. Once they've experienced that, then they're in. But beforehand, it's actually tough because some people, I think, just want to know, yeah, I want to know you're really good at making product. Like, I don't know, if, if we launched, what's it, what what's a charity? Oh, I don't, be careful. If everyone on this who's listening, imagine a charity, a big charity name, and I don't want to disparage anyone, but if they launched an airline tomorrow, and the airline was their name and they were now running an airline, would you fly it? Maybe, maybe not. Trust is an interesting thing. So that's our mission. It's led to two rules that thank you. Rule one, make great product. And rule two, never break rule one. And there's an <laughs> asterisk ne- next to uh, that that says never use a good cause to sell an average product. Yeah. And that is, that's the mission, convincing people of the efficacy as well as where the money goes. Because the big competitors, I mean, they're, they're really good at this, right? They've been Very doing good. it for decades, 100 years plus, whatever, and they put all the research into the product. They do produce good products. They market it really well. They've got great brand experience in all varying degrees. They must equally admire you and despise you. It's a, it's a really interesting dynamic. So what have you, how have you um, managed competitor response mm. as you've launched into different channels and so on. Oh man, these are the fun. Co- <laughs> this is the 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 fun questions. I think this is a huge journey. We started out, and in our minds, we were David, and we're taking on Goliath. Who's Goliath? Any big company. We're coming for him. Right? And so we started out in that mindset. And I don't think they thought that. I would say big business probably looked back. In fact, I heard a CEO in the industry say it well. He said Daniel. And I joked to him, I said, oh, it's getting a bit harder to launch these days. He's like, yeah, well, when thank you first started, no offense, but it's a great idea. I'm not sure if anyone took it that serious that we'd get to scale. Then you started getting to scale. Then you started getting the runs on the board and the loyalty. So naturally, every time you enter a category, yeah, everyone in that category is going to prepare. And we have felt the hard brunt of that. And I, 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 the only way I could describe it is it's like something switched at Thank You. We were ticking along, profits were growing, our hand wash had held number one in, in the category for a year or two, then three, four, five, the loyalty was growing. And it wasn't until about five years ago we hit the, the dark night of the Thank You journey where we launched into the, the baby category and we launched mm. nappies. And it was the most successful launch we'd ever done. We got 10% market share in the subcategory in three months. That doubled thank you. It it was, I mean, this is about to go off into the sunset. I am so, ex- we are all like, this is the dream. And then, yeah, the competition did what they do. Um, and I'm not proposing anything wrong. Um, in fact, I was telling someone, another CEO, this story this morning, just before I came here, and he laughed. He said, I would have done the same thing. And it's what you do if you're running a company. You protect your position. So what is that position? Um, market share. And so people, I mean, at the time, the market leader, we think they doubled their promo from about 17 weeks a year to 33 weeks a year. Huge promotions, deep discounting. And consumers, you know, a half price box of nappies from the most trusted brand in the country, that got, we went from 10%, 5, 4, 3, 5, 4, 3, and we're fighting around that level, but that's not sustainable. And we lost the fight. We launched into New Zealand. It mirrored that story. My goodness, you would have thought we we're launching Thank You in America. It, uh, all hell broke loose sounds a bit tough, but like every major company did all they do. They knew Thank You were coming. We shouldn't have announced it, but we did. We said we're coming. We turned up and everyone was ready. And and we had our first 13 weeks. I'm thinking, this is it. This is it. 
crush. And I tell you what, our view has changed. You're right, everyone in the industry is, is good at what they do. Um, and and that was crushing because we're on a mission to help end extreme poverty. And I, it's funny, I, I got to meet more of these companies and the people in them. In fact, sometimes I get invited to come and speak at their conferences and I'm thinking, okay, great people, by the way, actually want to do good in the world, all yeah. talking about purpose, all talking about how do we make the world a better place? And I'm sort of thinking, well, maybe like don't crush, thank you. And I don't reckon anyone in that, I would imagine nowhere in the business is like crush, thank you, but protect market share is what you have to do. So we sat back really at a moment that we thought this is the end of thank you. We've been on for over a decade. All, but, but if we can't actually break through this level, thank you, the model's dead. And that led us to this moment, and we called the project internally Salvation, Project Salvation, because we were like, this needs changing. And we started to rethink the model. And we came up with this hypothesis, which we think could change the whole world. And it's simply this. Imagine if we went back into the nappy category. But this time, what if we offered the number one or number two, and there's a few other nappy companies, what if we said to them, hey, we'll give you the exclusive rights to make and distribute the nappy. You're trying to do purpose. That's, we got purpose and innovation. We have a really innovative thinking group. We can bring that to the table. We're actually trying to replicate you. But you're good at that bit. And what if together we really become a bigger David and take on the true Goliath, which is the consumer spending stat? That was our thinking. So you've asked a big question because we've gone on this journey of redefining Goliath. It's actually not a competitor. It's the entire kind of way the world works and we, we need everyone. So we're in the middle of this transformation that's come from like that dark night of the soul. It's come from some deep learnings and we cannot wait to announce to the market one day soon, here's, here's how some of these partnerships are working. For us, there's a lot happening in the background. Uh, but, you know, we, we are more ambitious and more focused on the mission than ever, but it's actually come from a bit of crushing and some pretty big big questions we've asked ourselves. That's a great answer. Great answer. Because it sounds like the challenges today are very different to the challenges in the early days. So so when we look at a product on the shelf, basically no one thinks of how it actually got there. How did you actually yeah. get the supply chain? Where did you get the supply, the regularity of supply mm. and so on and so forth. So the early days, that seemed to be the the challenge. It, you now seem to have that down pat. Is that right? Mm. Yeah, well, we, we do, but I would say uh, – I think this has been a very humbling moment in business for the world. Um, interested to hear what, what you guys have seen, but I, I think we've all realized, hopefully, we all can't do it all. We need each other. And so we, we've actually lent more into this idea of what's the bit thank you's really good at. Mm. David Kidder, marketer in New York, well, more than a marketer, but he, he, in one of his books he writes, um, you should go 10x on what you are good at or best at and have the courage to walk away from what you're decidedly average at. And if I look at thank you, there is some innovative thinking, marketing, storytelling, campaigns, curation of product. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, but some of the stuff that we're di uh, we are decidedly average at, yeah, yeah is, is in that mass supply chain where others have perfected the model, they've got the capital structure to do it. And so, you know, that's not me having a go at our team. Everyone in our team has worked very hard, but did we have it set up right? I think we've started to reassess and ask a question like, what if we did the bit that only we can do? What if we partner with someone who 
can do the bit they do well. And, and I, I, I think that looks like a very different world moving forward. But if you hadn't have done all those bits, you wouldn't be here now, right? Absolutely not. You know, I, th- I think it took, the, it took the journey of thinking you can do it all and then discovering the toll, the human toll, like so many people, great people in thank you, burnt out. Mm. And not just like friends, like it, it, it hurts. Justine and I, I mean, she went into a big burnout journey that she talks a lot about. I remember having this two months off, thank you, sab- sabbatical we called it. And it was just two months of like rethinking and it was it was deep moments inside and and I, and you they wouldn't have come. They wouldn't have come if everything just sort of grew, grew, grew. Um, or more importantly, if we didn't ask the right questions along the way. Yeah, yeah, no, that's 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 really interesting. Um, tough, tough, um, and people probably don't see that. But they they see the product of the shelf, they love it. They they don't see the the price to be paid by yeah. the team. Yeah. Versus the the big guys, uh, absolutely. Um, just just on ethical sourcing is mm. something that we look at really mm. closely, and we talk mm. to listed companies about all the time. Yeah. Um, and modern slavery and so on and so forth. What's the kind of what are the kind of things that you guys have done in that area to to get yourself comfortable that where your source is 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 from the right areas and and obviously if you if you're giving money on one side to good causes you you can't be supporting modern slavery and other aspects in the supply chain um, in an inappropriate way as well so I'd just love to just hear how you think about that yeah we very early on I suppose like anything the moment we thought about it and heard about it, we just thought, well, this will be simple. We'll absolutely make sure that there is no slavery and that everything is sourced ethically. How hard could it be? And here enters, what are we in, 10 years into probably that journey deep. And the, the more complex the product, the more challenging that is. And so I think everyone in the world is on the same page with we shouldn't have modern slavery. Tick. And and I don't think there's anyone really out there trying to perpetuate it other than those that maybe directly benefit from it. But the dark secret is that the world is, uh, yeah, I mean, it's complicated. And we have discovered the further we try and dig down supply chain and supply, there are, there's just missing bits of information. And, and, and interestingly, it has been one of the greatest challenges we've faced really on the inside of Thank You has been this, because we don't want to create a world where Thank You has scale and is giving great profits and is hurting the world whilst helping it. There's no point in that. And so along the way, where, where possible, uh, and, and any time there is an accreditation available, which unfortunately isn't that often, we've, we've got it or gone for it. And so that's been really helpful in the products that we have. Uh, and then we have set out on what we call our responsible business goals journey. We set on, out on that years ago. We have our goals for, for 2020 and then our goals for 2025. And it's about visibility. It's about ethical supply. It's about sustainability and thinking about water, waste, and carbon. Uh, and oh, t- about two years ago, before, actually just before this whole world got disrupted again, we were really frustrated because it's like this is such a slow process. And so we have a project that's happened in the background we called Internally Revolution, which is the rethinking of our entire personal care business and other things. And it's really interesting when you get to start from scratch versus improve. Um, yeah, you're able to get some, some pretty big wins. So uh, 
we are really happy with how that's tracking and and it'll still be a journey to be able to say this is 100% ethically sourced. And whilst that may shock anyone listening to this, the current state of global supply chain has put a massive spanner in the works for everyone. Because even if you had a supplier, they're down now and, and now it's getting sourced from somewhere else or quick we had to get product from that country or there's a flood here or that there. And in that process, you have to, the time to do the 12-month deep dive audit processes. And so I don't know. I, I think this is one of the biggest topics not really talked about enough other than, oh, yeah, 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 we all agree. Yeah, but it costs more. It costs consumers more. It costs retailers more. It costs brands more. And it is a short-term commercial pain for a long-term humanity gain. And I think a better business to operate. But I mean, it's a big topic because there's a lot of short-term people who are willing to take a quick dollar today. Um, but that that quick dollar today may not be the ethical dollar. And this is the dilemma we're in. And I, and I would say too, you know, we've been really surprised as we've gone to get audits done, Smeta audits or different audits on factories that have already been vetted and everyone's working with them. And our team, maybe the approaches to purists, but they go, well, hang on, issue, 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 12 months to fix it, not fixed, still the same issues. Uh, yeah, but culturally, this country, we we don't value that maybe like you do. And there's actually a lot of, I would call them ethical dilemmas. Um, and so even those that, those that are like, oh, yeah, we're, we're all good, I mind-blowing. I mean, it's a, it's a really, really, really difficult topic, and it's a huge risk to every company and every board. Yeah, no, absolutely. So that was part A of the thank you story. Join us on the Good Investing Podcast for part B shortly when Daniel will tell us about campaigns, Coles, Woolworths, and how Thank You is trying to change the giving model. We hope you join us then. Thank you for listening to the Good Investing Podcast. Subscribe to hear future episodes and for more information about Ethical Partners Funds Management, visit ethicalpartners.com.au.